If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. It's not clear what the Magi believed as they set off toward Jerusalem following a star that they believed would lead them to the new king of the Jews. But by the time they came to the house where the baby Jesus was, they worshipped him. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this ninth day of Christmas, January the 2nd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We're going to be studying the Epiphany Hymn, As With Gladness, Men of Old. Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, is our guest. In Hour 2, we'll discuss studying God's Word with Dr. Ken Sherb. Dr. Arthur Just is professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke, and the book, Heaven on Earth. Dr. Just, welcome back. Wonderful to be with you here for this wonderful hymn for Epiphany. Why is the visit of the Magi, in this case recorded only by Matthew, why is it theologically significant? Well, there are a couple of things. I, I think one of the things that it really focuses our eyes upon is the fact that all the nations, and I think the Gentile mission is, is certainly in play here, but all the nations, even the, the people from the East, are coming to worship the Christ child. And it focuses our eyes on Bethlehem and the event of his birth and the fact that, that not just you know the prophecies, and we have that wonderful prophecy about Bethlehem, but also even the stars are lining up to point to the Christ child. And you can see that, like Luke does when he talks about Caesar Augustus and all the world should be taxed, you know, how everything is sort of coming together in terms of world history for the birth of the Christ child. Here even the heavens are, and our hymn is certainly going to reflect that, that we have an extraordinary moment here where the wise men from the East are following an astronomical sign and that it is pointing to the incarnation, and it's pointing to the whole reason why we celebrate this holy season of Christmas and Epiphany. What do we know about this hymn's author and origins? Well, you know, so many of these hymns, Todd, have such interesting stories, and this one is as well. This was a young man, William Dix, who was very seriously ill, um, he's 20, 21 years old, and it was Epiphany. And I think he was struggling with his illness, his faith. And he reads the gospel for the Feast of Epiphany, this lesson we'd just been talking about from Matthew 2. And he sat down and in one day wrote this hymn. And you can really see that he understands what it means to suffer he understands how important it is to know your way to the heavenly place, that the, the way is narrow, 
and that we need a star to guide us. And we'll see in the hymn itself, the last two verses are sort of a prayer or petition to help all of us on our way. And I think you can really see here that he brings out, and, and you can see how this must have struck him when he had had this, um, this terrible illness and was suffering. He brings out what I would say are some of the major themes here. I mean, obviously the wise men, but the star and the manger and the gifts, and then ending with a prayer, you know, for all of us. So he really wrote a, a wonderful, wonderful little text here. What was interesting is there was a, a tune. It's called Dicks after him that was written for this. And, and I love what he said about it, that it became very popular, I guess. And everybody loved this tune. And he said about the tune, he said, I dislike it, but now nothing will displace it because it had become so tied to this text. And it, it, I think it's a lovely tune, and it, it's really one of the, I mean, it, in a strange sort of way, it doesn't say a great deal, and yet it is so, you know, sort of profoundly devotional and meaningful from beginning to end. What then are the primary biblical texts that will be forming this hymn? Well, I would say, obviously, the text that is overridingly the main text is the one that we've been talking about from Matthew 2. But there is also the one from Isaiah 60, verse 19. And this verse and the next one really are more focused in the last two verses, where it says, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. That's from Isaiah 60. And Revelation 21 The wonderful passage in verse 23, where the city has no need for sun or moon, that the glory of God is its light and its lamp is the lamb, because we do end up in the heavenly city. And and those two verses sort of focus us on the everlasting life, the light of heaven, which the, the star certainly reminds us as it points to the Christ child, that in his birth, heaven is now on earth. Here's the first stanza of As With Gladness Men of Old. As with gladness men of old did the guiding star behold, as with joy they hailed its light, leading onward, beaming bright. So, most gracious Lord, may we evermore be led to Thee. Just this is a pretty profound statement to kick off this hymn that there's a purpose to whatever the mage I thought they were going to see, they ended up worshiping this child. It is. And, you know, one of the things we're going to see in the first three verses, which have to do with essentially the magi and telling the story, William Dix has structured it beautifully. But if you look at it, you have the reality of the events of the wise men coming to to Bethlehem in the as, as with gladness, as with joy, 
And then he brings it to the now. So, most gracious Lord, may we. He'll do it in verse 2 and in verse 3. As with joyful steps, so may we. As they offered gifts, so may we. So you can really see how he's showing us how clearly we are tied into what you said, that there is this profound reordering of the world around the star that leads them to this child. And one of the great things about this hymn, in every verse, maybe with the exception of the penultimate verse, the fourth verse, every verse has to do with worship, that this is why they come, to worship the Christ child who is the king. And they're kings, you know, or at least we think of them as that. They're wise men. They obviously have power and authority, but they're coming to this Christ child. Also, in four of the five verses, again, the worship is tied with joy. It's the third word, as with gladness, as with joy. And this verse, as I said, is about the guiding star, the the light of the star, how it beams bright. But it's a star that leads it leads onward. And that is one of the things that I think is so mysterious and magical about the wise men, that they dropped everything and followed that star and let it lead them to this place, even through Jerusalem where they meet with Herod. But he he gives them kind of the sign to, to go to Bethlehem and they find it there. But that same star is leading us, you know, and you can see that with the so most gracious Lord, may we evermore be led to thee. So this, this hymn in this very first verse shows it that it's, it's about then and now and how they are linked together. And that's, that's really why we gather together to worship, because we bring forward into the present the past and make it our own. We bring the stories of the old into our present and make them ours. And this hymn is asking us to, in a sense, embrace and adopt as our story the story of the wise men who are led by this star, beaming bright to the baby Jesus. Talk a little bit about these nouns, gladness and joy, that the hymn writer wants to describe in the hearts of the Magi. Well, later on, he is going to talk about how we should be kept on the narrow way. And he'll talk a little bit about we need to have somebody to help us along the way. And I think the joy comes from knowing that God is answering the prayers of the people of God going back to Genesis 3 that finally he would bring the creator to his creation to, in a sense, make all things new. And that that joy over the redemption, you know, where our ransomed souls at last find no, no need of a star to guide them because the, the star has appeared over Bethlehem. The child is born and he has ransomed our souls. He has brought us to recognize that his blood now covers the mercy seat and that we are now redeemed in him and that this is the source of our joy and that it it is a pilgrimage. I mean, these wise men went on a pilgrimage. We're constantly on a pilgrimage. Jesus did first to the cross and we follow him every Sunday. That's what our worship is. You know, we're pilgrims 
who in a sense come to the New Jerusalem and were led by a star, so to speak, to pass by the font as we have in Kramer Chapel and dip our hands into it and then sit and, and hear this Christ child speak to us his words and then later kind of make our pilgrimage up to the altar where we receive his very body and blood. So, so I mean, I think all of this is suggested here in the reason for our joy. It's been done. I mean, Christmas shows us that the Christ was born to die, and that is why we have this great joy. Of course, we see, and we've mentioned it here, the theme of light coming in, and that's straight through every stanza of this hymn. Talk about that, not just the light, but the brightness of this light. Well, it and it, it shows us what we're headed for. I mean, this must have been extraordinary in that darkness. And, and, and I mean, I don't think we realize, I always tell students this, we have no idea what darkness means today because we have so much light around us. But in the ancient world, when it got dark, it was dark. And so any kind of light was extraordinary. And people sort of craved light, especially in the midst of darkness. And when the Christ child is born, the light of the world, you know, and that star suggesting that that beaming brightness is really focused on the light that is born in Bethlehem. That is going to be our inheritance when we, as Isaiah 60 and Revelation 21 says, that the the new Jerusalem has no need of sun or moon. That city, the glory of God is its light. Its lamp is the lamb. And you can really see how that is what is driving this hymn in many ways. And it may be, in a sense, is what drove the wise men there because they were looking for that everlasting light where the Lord will be the everlasting light and the God is our glory. You can almost sense there that as the light over Bethlehem shined on that child, you know, and certainly the angels felt this from Luke 2, but that the, the glory of God is in that humble manger is emanating out of that child and showing that that light is now here to stay. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, as with Gladness Medieval, with Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. After the break, stanza two, as with joyful steps they sped to that lowly manger bed, there to bend the knee before him whom heaven and earth adore, so may we with willing feet ever seek thy mercy seat. If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. This fallen creation is bested by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ's altar. 
We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org disaster. That's lcms.org disaster. Christological. Creedal. Confessional. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many educational institutions are governed by the whims of culture and are increasingly hostile to the Word of God. In contrast, Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, provides classical Lutheran education rooted in God's Word for students preschool through grade 12. Simply put, we equip students to stand firm in the faith through solid education focused on wisdom and virtue. We offer in-person instruction as well as live online classes for remote learning. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. From New York's beautiful Hudson Valley, visit us at the Lutheran Church of Our Redeemer, Peekskill, New York, a small, confessional, conservative Lutheran church with traditional Lutheran liturgical worship, gospel-rich, shenanigan-free. For more information, visit us at OurRedeemerLCMS.org. Stanza 2 of As With Gladness, Men of Old. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues, etc. Dr. Just, where would you point us in this stanza? Well, there's two things that jump out at me. The lowly manger bed, which is, of course, a sign, in Luke at least, of the incarnation. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then the very last three words, thy mercy seat, which is, of course, a reference to the atonement where the blood of Christ now covers that mercy seat because he has cleansed all of creation of its sin. And that is, let's put it this way, it's the reason for our worship. It's the reason why the, the wise men bend the knee before him whom heaven and earth adore. So heaven and earth and all of creation now understands that in the incarnation and the atonement, God is accomplishing what he intended to do from the beginning, and that is to bring us our salvation. That's why our steps are joyful. There's the joy again, joyful steps. And and notice the haste. They sped to that lowly manger bed. Those joyful steps now for us, that you see the as and the so, are willing feet. And as I said earlier, I think, where do I go for the mercy seat? Where do our willing feet run to receive the body and blood of Christ? Where is the atonement for us? It's in the preaching and especially on the altar, where in the very body and blood of Christ, we receive what he accomplished for us on the cross. In some ways, for me, this is the most theologically rich verse 
And it, in, in one verse, he goes from the incarnation to the atonement. And he, he focuses the fact that when we worship, when we come together around word and sacrament, when we make our pilgrimage to the altar, we are seeing how heaven and earth are joined together in the person of Jesus. And that all of creation, all of creation now, is part of this worship. And in a way, we're with the wise men. The wise men are with us at every Sunday Eucharist. There's a perhaps a little historical conflation here, having the manger in this scene. But talk, if you would, about that lowly manger bed. Yeah, there was there was a lot of um, attempts to revise this hymn because they sort of realized that by the time the wise men got there, he was no longer in a manger, that he was in a house and not a stable, that it would have been a bed. But there, there is something, though, and, and lowly was, I think, added. In fact, they wanted to call it lowly bed. But I think there was a, a wisdom in keeping manger, lowly manger bed, to suggest that, you know, the humility of this child and, and really how we understand Bethlehem as being in its humility and in the humility of the parents and the, and the humility of the place of his birth, that this shows you how to have all, all of heaven and earth adore this child. I think there's something just precious about keeping that image of the manger here. So this bending of the knee that you had mentioned a, a few minutes ago, this is, I think some people have said, well, you know, were these men of faith? Did they realize who they were bending the knee before? Was this simply the kind of bending of the knee that one would do in front of an earthly king? What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, the fact that they left everything to follow a star and not knowing, in a sense, where they were going or what it was that they were going to find when they found the place that the star pointed to, I think that's a sign of faith. And I think their faith grew as they they heard the prophecies and they they realized the gravity of what this was all about. And, you know, it's it's like the thief on the cross. I mean, what what did he have before he was nailed to the cross? We don't know. But he witnessed the passion of Jesus and he saw what the suffering was about. And that was his catechesis in a sense. And Jesus certainly acknowledged that by saying, today you will be with me in paradise. I think the same thing for the wise men when they got there after hearing the prophecies, after seeing the star, after being led there, after after seeing the whole scene and, and maybe they heard a little of the story from Mary and Joseph, they could not help but bow down and worship what, I mean, how many earthly kings have a star point them to the humility of a birth like this in Bethlehem? No, they, they came worshiping the, the king of the universe. They came worshiping the son of God. They came worshiping the king now who will show what the, the true meaning of kinship is by being offered up on a cross with a crown of thorns and his coronation being a place of death. No, they, they, I think they fully understood that this was no earthly king. Here is stanza three of As With Gladness, Men of Old. 
as they offered gifts most rare at that manger rude and bare, so may we with holy joy, pure and free from sin's alloy, all our costliest treasures bring Christ to thee, our heavenly King. Just this stanza involves an element of the Magi story that I think really gets underplayed. Although you'll see it in every single nativity scene. Three men with three gifts to bring. Those gifts, talk about them. Well, the yeah, this is the verse of gifts. And we've moved from the really the focus on the star then to the manger. And the manger comes back here. There's a tie here. I mean, and you can see why he probably kept the manger, because he now calls it rude and bare, which in a, in a sense contrasts to the costliest gifts. But these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they, they are the gifts that are precious to, to acknowledge that the king is the king of heaven himself. And I think you're right. We do sometimes forget about the gifts. And the gifts are sort of foreign to us. Gold we can identify with, but frankincense and myrrh. If you go to the Holy Land, you will find myrrh. It's a very common fragrance, and it's such a wonderful fragrance. And I think you have built in there the sense of of anointing, you know, this king, and that these are things that in a sense, as I said, acknowledge him as king. But notice the worship to the holy joy that we come now. And the, the, this is something that I think is counterintuitive for many people, that offering our costliest treasures, which begins with ourselves, the fact that we're just there in the worship, to worship the king, in repentance and faith, but also that we bring those things that we offer to him so that the gospel may resound throughout the world. And we do this with holy joy. You can see that the scriptures do talk about the joy of giving, and I'm not sure that everybody feels that joy. But you can see here that this author recognizes that those wise men who came with those gifts, they came with joy, and that joy pours over into our own joy today, where we really are in the presence of the heavenly king, and we offer them to Christ, uh, our heavenly king, and that we come, you know, having bared ourselves sort of, of of our sins, you know, pure and free from sin's alloy, that we, we have come clean, we, we have repented, we have been absolved, we have heard the gospel, we have been cleansed by the holy blood of Jesus, and that these gifts we bring are gifts that are holy, that are given in holy joy. And, you know, you might not see worship coming out as this, but I think one of the great ways in which we worship is the gifts that we bring to 
to our Savior every time we gather together around His presence. Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary is leading us in a study of the Epiphany Hymn, As With Gladness Men of Old. This is Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Folks, it's not too late to make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. You can contribute by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org. For a year-end gift of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. Thanks for listening, and thanks for including Issues Etc. in your year-end giving. When we come back, why did they bring gifts to the Christ child? Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, LutheranPublicRadio.org. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House, A charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial-A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial-A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Old theology, new technology, you're listening to Issues Etc. At the center of our campus is Kramer Chapel, and there's a reason for that. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Arthur Just. Because it is the heartbeat of Concordia Theological Seminary. It is where we go to hear the voice of Jesus and frequently be fed with the body and blood of Christ. We sometimes call it our Jerusalem. Kramer Chapel points to the classroom, which we sometimes call Athens. It is there that we do theology, biblical studies, systematic theology, practical theology, history. 
We love theology here, and we love the study of it, and we love coming together in worship. It's one of the things that gives us great joy, joy in worshiping, joy in studying theology. Concordia Theological Seminary is all about the joy of being in Jesus. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, ctsfw.edu. Dr. Arthur Just is our guest. We are studying the Epiphany Hymn as with gladness, men of old. Dr. Just, let's talk about why bring gifts to the Christ child. Well, the greatest gift that God gives us is the Christ child. And we always talk about God as the giver of gifts. I mean, he created the world. He created us. Everything that we have is gift. It's like that parable of the the greedy landowner who, you know, had so much and then he's given more and he hoards it into barns and, you know, he's, he's, his life is called for him because he didn't understand that everything that we have is a gift from God. And so the costly gifts that we bring, the treasures, these are just simply expressions of the very nature of our relationship to the creator who is gifted us with everything, our health, our life, our families, our vocations. Everything that we own is is a gift from him. And so we just, I mean, the, the, the Old Testament certainly has this sense, and I think it explodes in the New Testament, that having been gifted this, we simply give back what has been given to us. And in a, in a way, it's, I think one of the reasons why Christmas is about gift giving, because it does help us to understand the one great gift that God has given us in the Christ child. And that gift giving, I mean, I, I think many of our listeners spend this time of year not just shopping for their loved ones, but but giving extra gifts out to help, you know, the ministries that proclaim the gospel, that seek ways of, of helping people in, in gifts of mercy to those who are suffering. This is the time of year when we see that the, the giving back to what we have been given is what this season is all about. Here's stanza four. Holy Jesus, every day, keep us in the narrow way. And when earthly things are past, bring our ransomed souls at last where they need no star to guide where no clouds thy glory hide. What does this fourth stanza have to say? Well, this is the first of two stanzas that are a prayer and a petition. And, you know, as it begins, and the word holy, holy Jesus, I think the first three stanzas have given us the reason why we can say this now in our prayer. Notice every day. 
you can't help but think of William Dix, 20, 22 years old, very sick, suffering, perhaps sort of has lost his way and finds it on Epiphany by reading the Gospel of the Wise Men and recognizing that what he's going to do from now on, if he gets well, is every day recognize how important it is to petition God to keep him on the narrow way. He had death in his mind. You know, he knew that maybe even sooner than, than he wanted, earthly things were going to be passed. But he, he sees that, that there is a greater hope. And this is a, I think this is a, a great verse of hope that because of the wise men, because of the star, because of the manger and the mercy seat, because we have holy joy in the gifts that we give, we know that that by faith our ransomed souls will not need a star when we when we die, that there are no clouds that hide his glory because we will be in the presence of the one who is light itself. The next verse is certainly going to bring that out, but it's hinted at here that when the world has passed away, you know, and in a sense the type of brightness that the star that led the wise men to Jesus, that star is going to be all that we have. That light is going to be all that we need. That glory there are no clouds that can hide that from us because we will behold the beatific presence of Jesus himself. What is that narrow way? The narrow way is, is the, the way of the gospel. It's the way of faith. It's the way of Jesus. It's the, the way to recognize that things are not in this world what human beings think they are, that the the last shall be first and the first last. The humble exalted, the exalted humbled. If you want to save your life, you must lose it. And that God's glory is, is seen in suffering. That God's presence is in the poor and the suffering. That the way of redemption is through a cross. That the, the, the glory that we you know, will one day inherit only comes through the great cost of the humiliating death of the the child and embracing that. Jesus talks about it this way, to take up your cross daily and follow him. I thought maybe this might have been in his mind every day. Keep us in the narrow way by, by helping us to recognize the cost of carrying that cross and how narrow that is and that we will receive hate and persecution from the world for doing that. And I know our listeners are living in a world now where confessing Christ in the world, you know, confessing what we believe about life and death, about life in the womb, things like that. It, it, we're, you know, marriage, we, we're going to suffer for that. That's the narrow way, the way of the scriptures, the way that has been handed down to us by the prophets and the apostles and all the faithful saints that have gone before us in the faith. That's the narrow way. Keep us on that. You know, because we have been ransomed. We have sought and we have received the blood that comes from his mercy seat. And this is the pilgrimage 
of all Christians as they make their way to the heavenly place. And it's, it is a narrow way. It is a way of suffering. With a, a, just a minute right here or so before we move on to the next stanza, that glory, obviously it's part of this brightness, the light, everything that we've been seeing in this stanza. But what is the glory that we will behold in that beatific vision? We will behold the Lamb on his throne and the the table set for us and the Trinity. I mean, there's that wonderful altarpiece from Ghent where the Lamb is is on the altar and all the, the saints are, are worshiping him and the blood is pouring out of his side into a cup. I mean, we see that glory in a sense every time we come to the supper, that the glory is to be in the presence of the Lamb. That's why the Revelation text is so so important. The glory of God is the light, and that lamp is the Lamb himself. So the light that we see, the glory that we see, is the Lamb of God on his altar, on his throne, pouring out his blood for us. The fifth and final stanza of As With Gladness, Men of Old. In the heavenly country bright, need they no created light? Thou its light, its joy, its crown, thou its sun, which goes not down. There forever may we sing alleluias to our King. Doctor, just take us through this final stanza. Well, we started with the star, and we started with the guiding star, and that's beaming bright. And we we end here now with light. The first four verses are about that. You know, the the heavenly country bright, no created light, because Christ is the light. The Lamb is the light. You know, Christ is the sun that goes not down. And so the, the, the star has now reached its goal, and we have reached our goal, and there is joy. Notice that it's joy, it's crowned. The, the, the king has been implied all the way through, but he isn't really referenced until the third verse that we bring our costliest treasures to the heavenly king. But now it's all about the king, his crown, the alleluias are to our king. Notice the last two phrases are like, just the the heavenly worship there in heaven, the heavenly country bright forever. We will sing alleluias to our King. So the whole thing in the hymn is pointing that the gladness, the joy of the wise men is realized in the heavenly joy that the whole company of heaven, you know, heaven and earth are going to sing when we enter that place, that city that has no need of sun or moon, where the glory of God is its light, where the lamp is the lamb himself. I'm reminded here of, as you pointed us 
early in our conversation of the description in the book of Revelation, where the Lamb is its light, as you said, and the worship that began of the incarnate Christ with the shepherds and with the Magi finds its culmination with people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, eternally worshiping this Lamb of God. That is exactly what this hymn is about. And and I would just simply add that when we gather for worship, all of heaven is there as well. And it's a foretaste. It's not the fullness that we see in this verse. But we have a, we do have a foretaste. And I always like to add this. Even now, in our worship, we are participating in that alleluia's to our king. So our voices below are joining the heavenly voices because that's what it means to gather around the presence of the Christ child. So you've actually written an entire book about this heaven on earth that we don't have to wait, as you say, to participate in this. Although this hymn points us forward to that ultimate participation. How is it, where, how is it now that in concrete terms that our voices are joined? Well, wherever Christ is, there's heaven. And we have always, from the beginning, said that Christ is present among us in his flesh. You know, the, the, the person of Jesus, divine and human nature, is, is there. In wherever his word is proclaimed, it's the viva vox Jesu, the living voice of Jesus. We heard that in our chapel sermon this morning from our former president, Wenthe. And in the, in the Holy Supper, where we receive his body and blood. So therefore, with angels and archangels and the whole company of heaven, where Christ is, there is heaven. There is the, the song of heaven. And there, there, the ongoing hymn of heaven is about the lamb who was slain and raised again. When Moses and Elijah come down at the transfiguration, they're talking about Jesus' exodus, which he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem, which is about the lamb who was slain and raised again. They're just bringing the song of heaven down onto the earth around Christ and the three apostles who came up. Their heaven and earth are joined together in Jesus. So this is, I think, one of the, the keys to understanding the scriptures, our worship, our theology, that wherever Christ is, there is heaven, and there is the joy of heaven, and there is the worship of heaven. There are the angels, the archangels, and the whole company of heaven. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, As with Gladness, Men of Old, with Dr. Arthur Jest of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. We'll hear the entire hymn and get Dr. Jest's final thoughts after this. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start, the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes, dedicated customer service, and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Several issues, etc. regular guests are candidates for leadership positions in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. 
Every LCMS congregation has received nomination forms for the President and Vice Presidents of Synod. Please encourage your pastor and congregational leaders to fill out and return these nomination forms before February 28th of 2023. Learn more at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Sacramental. Historical. Liturgical. You're listening to Issues Etc. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the confessional Lutheran dogmatic series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Luther Academy. Welcome back. This is Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're studying the Epiphany Hymn, As with Gladness, Men of Old, with Dr. Arthur Jess, professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. You can purchase these resources by calling Concordia Publishing House, 1-800-325-3040, or on the Talk on Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Dr. Jess, let's hear the King's College Choir as they sing, As With Gladness, Men of Old.
That's the King's College Choir with the hymn, As With Gladness, Men of Old. Dr. Just, your final thoughts on this Epiphany hymn? One of the things I teach when I teach uh, the church year is how Christmas and Epiphany are really one season, that the climax, of course, is the, the birth of Christ, but also the Epiphany is the coming of the wise men and the gifts that they bring. Many cultures, like the ones I used to live in, Mexico and Spain, it's the gift-giving is on the, the day of Epiphany. But both Christmas and Epiphany are characterized that the light of the world is born in Bethlehem. And if you're in the, the northern hemisphere, you know that this is the, the kind of the end of the darkness and the birth of the light. And that light shines first with the wise men leading us to the Christ child, and it's going to shine throughout this season of Epiphany. And when the light shines, it reveals. It reveals to us the kind of Savior that we have. And we saw in this hymn that in a way is, as it talks about being led to Bethlehem and then being led to heaven, it is going to lead us in this season of Epiphany to recognize that what the light shows us is a God who comes to us and becomes flesh and then takes that flesh all the way to the cross for the sins of the world and then on the third day rises from the dead and shows us in his resurrected body with the light shining from him what we will someday be when we are led to that place where we will forever sing alleluias to our king. Dr. Arthur Just is professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's author of the two-volume Concordia Commentary on Luke and the book Heaven on Earth. You can purchase these resources on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Dr. Just, have a merry final days of Christmas and Epiphany. And a blessed Christmas and Epiphany to you and all those who are listening. In the next hour, we'll discuss studying God's Word in the New Year with Dr. Ken Sherb, Director of Evangelism and Missions, Stewardship and Human Care for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stay with us. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Lutheran Talk. The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. 
Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org.